Hello, everybody. Welcome to Scott's Movie Pod. Until I think of a better name, which I may never do. We are here to talk about movies, why we love them, and what makes them special to us. We're not here to talk shit about movies, like a lot of people often do. Um, Mostly because in just about any movie I've seen, even the movies that you could describe as the worst movies ever, I have found moments that were redeemable or cool or well thought out or well done. So that's what I'm here to talk about. Why do we love movies? Why do we love the movies that we picked? What makes them cool or important or great to us? On that note, today we're gonna be talking uh, with a good friend, longtime filmmaker, sometimes collaborator, Sean Kelly, writes, directs, makes stuff, it's honestly pretty good stuff. He, he's he's got he's he's sleeping on some things. You guys are gonna really 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 like when when we get him out there. Uh, but that being said, Sean, how are you doing? How's life? I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm pretty good. Um, just yeah, trying to stay creative. That is the struggle with yeah. our, <laughs> our strange pandemic world we're in right now is trying to just keep keep the motivation up. Yeah. Uh, well, that's good. I'm glad to hear it. Keeping creative, keeping, uh, keeping on it. Uh, we were just talking right before we started recording about a, a little short, which I'm going to make you talk about at the end. Uh, but uh, let's move on to what we are discussing today. What movie are we talking about today, Sean? Uh, Stand By Me from 1986, uh, directed by Rob Reiner, uh, based on a Stephen King uh, short novel. Or, short story, or it's a novella, I guess. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, it was called like The Body, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that stars Will Wheaton, River Phoenix, Corey Feldman, Jerry O'Connell, Kiefer Sutherland. And uh, it's mostly the well-known people, at least. And Richard Dreyfus as uh, our, our narrator, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And uh, Stand By Me is a movie about... Uh, Four friends who, after the death after the death of one of his friends, the writer recounts a childhood journey with his friends to find the body of a missing boy. All right, let's dive right in. Stand by me. Initial thoughts. What did you think about it, if you can remember, the very first time you saw this movie? Okay, so when I was a kid, we would go to, like, Kmart every, like, week or so, and I would head straight to the electronic section, and it had, like, a bunch of VHS tapes like a wall full of VHS tapes for sale and like video games and CDs. <laughs> like it was, you yeah. know, just go there. I could stay there forever and just look at things. And um, I remember picking out this movie. I think I recognized, uh, I don't think I knew it was a Stephen King adaptation because I was really into Stephen King as well at that time. Uh, I remember recognizing Corey Feldman on the cover and I had seen him in like Friday the Thirteenth Part Four and yep. The Goonies and The Lost Boys. Good old Corey Felds. <laughs> and um, and I also picked out Freddy's Dead on VHS. Nice. And so I had, I could only get one. And I think at that time I had seen Nightmare on Elm Street one, five, and seven. So because that was before the big box set came out. And I saw all of them, so I I didn't know which one to choose. And my I like asked my mom; she's really into movies too. And she was like, "I think you should get Stand by Me. I think you'll like that." 
So uh, that was a good choice because, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was like 12 years old and I went and watched it. And uh, yeah, I, I ended up loving, loving it. Um, I guess that was like, even when I was watching it, I was like, this is the first time I recognize like a character in a movie that's a lot like me. Like, that's not just me looking back and saying that. At the time, I was like, yeah, I really relate to this kid. Yeah, yeah. I remember doing that exact same thing, kind of like going through, looking at the VHS tapes, looking at anything that was available and trying to see what, oh, what can we get? What can we get? And I do remember seeing Stand By Me on the shelves. I, I know that my first experience watching it was definitely like at home. And it was many years after the first time, like uh, many years after it came out, obviously. Cause, I mean, it's 86. Like yeah. that's before, right before I was born. But I think my first memory is watching it probably with my dad who had it on. And I'm more than positive. The first time I saw it, I came in like 20, 30 minutes into the movie. So I was like a little bit lost, not really sure what was going on. But I was super just into like the adventure that these kids were were going on and like getting themselves into all this trouble and um at the time we lived in big bear like in the mountains and trees and so i was like yeah this is this is like how it is for me right now just going off on adventures getting lost places with people i know you know you didn't have to worry about too much so i yeah i commiserate with that kind of like i see myself in these characters very much and i felt that when watching it the first time as a kid too Mm. Uh, i think i saw like I might have been 10, 10 or 11 the first time I saw that. Getting past that, like what I initially thought about it is uh, just being like a fun adventure movie, even for the dark subject matter that like, is like part of the through line of the story. And uh, I often forget about like the bully parts and uh, like when he throws up all over him, I completely forget about that every time I see the movie somehow. <laughs> like I know it's there and I always forget about it. Yeah. Um, What's interesting to me is like it's a it's a rated R movie, but it's so for like uh, kids of the same age of, as those characters. Right. Like you shouldn't wait until you're 17 to watch it. I feel like I don't know. It's Rating full of good lessons too. Yeah. Like yeah. that. That's why I agree with you. I think like people should see it before, but because it is rated R, you know, most people don't. There, yeah, because a lot of movies that are made for like kids of that age are sort of kind of talking, they're talking down. They're not on the level of the kids. It's sort of everything's kind of artificially wholesome yeah. and like light. And I remember thinking like these kids do and act like people at my school. Like, uh, yeah, like <laughs> that's like exactly how i feel about it the kids are just really well written at the end of the day like they did a great job adapting uh that story just generally and like fleshing out the way they fleshed it out to to have these characters and these kids be the kids that they are in the movie um and it's really funny thinking about like who these kids are as far as the cast is concerned they're known people we know them yeah probably more as adults than we do as kids but it's just wild. Like Will Wheaton and uh, River Phoenix has passed away, but like, you know, he's young Indiana Jones in the last crusade yeah. there and uh, other notable roles, but that's the one I'm going to talk about right now. Uh, was, Jerry O'Connell. Mm-hmm. Who's, During this time, I was really into the screen. 
I still am. And it took me so long to realize that he's uh, he's the boyfriend in Scream 2. I did not mm -hmm. make that connection until so long after I've seen both of these movies. That's really funny. But I think what made it weird for me was, what did I see Jerry O'Connell in first? And I was like, that guy? Tomcats um, or like Sliders? Yes, it was Sliders. It was Sliders. That's where I first remember seeing him. And I was like, oh my God, it's that dude. He's mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, well, moving forward then with, with the conversation here. Uh, what, what did we like? What did we like? What worked for us? I mean, I think that kind of plays well into what we've discussed so far, just like being a kid and seeing that yeah commiserating with those kids that really worked for me for sure yeah. and the misadventure of doing something you shouldn't do just yeah. taking off your parents don't know where you're going i i get that i did yeah. that shit and mm -hmm. that's what makes it so much of a lovable movie for me is like i can not only picture myself doing exactly what they're doing i feel like i've done something similar and i'm just like realizing and watching it going you know it's probably good i didn't get into any trouble <laughs> That could have been bad, you know? Yeah. What about you? What did you like? What are your main likes and like takeaways? What worked for you watching I, this? I like, just like the atmosphere of the movie. Like the music is great. Like uh, not just the, the actual songs on the soundtrack, the score. I, I, it's, it gives a like great feeling. Um, it's very, the movie's like built, has like built in nostalgic. So like even when it was new, it felt, like it was calling from a different time yeah and just like uh just like the quiet moments of like them walking silhouetted against the backdrop of the sky and that music builds it's i i, I like that <laughs> and uh sort of uh the gordy lachance character him being a writer is like yeah. something that i I really identified with that character at the time I saw the movie a lot. Sort of how, like, I like how he had his brother who really supported him uh, being a writer and making up stories and and he, like, dies. And but and his parents don't really see him. Yeah. So, like, um, like, they're still, like, kind of like zombies in their grief from losing their son who's like the golden boy and but he still has his friends like they're really excited when he's telling yeah. stories around that campfire they're really engaged in like cheering him on and i like that a lot it's a really good like friendship and like kind of kid confidence sort of promotion movie yeah. in a way um just being who you are and being proud of who you are and like supporting yeah. your friends for being who they are which is really, really great, especially like, you know, oftentimes they really hammer that point home in movies or mm -hmm. it's just really poorly written or, um, yeah, it's just obvious. It's like here, yeah. it's in your face. This was more done in the spirit of how kids actually kind of do these things. Yeah. I think that speaks to what you were saying like before of like, yeah, the authenticity of the kids and how the kids came out in this and how like they were is a big part of how this movie succeeds. I feel. Yeah. I like that all the characters, like all four of the kids are like kind of going through certain things. Um, they haven't really found it out. They're still like marching towards like what they're going to become. And, yeah. but they, but they, within where they are, 
they have like these expectations set for what people think of them. And it's sort of them, are they gonna go towards that? And like fall into what people expect their fate to be? Or are they gonna go towards what, who are they, who are they meant to become? Right. Uh, yeah. Fighting, fighting for and working toward like the person you want to be as opposed to the people, the person that people expect you to be. Yeah. Yeah. That expectation that like gets laid on all of us as kids, like whether parents realize it or not, whether, you know, our teachers, you know, first job, employers, society, et cetera. Mm -hmm. There's, there's always some kind of expectation that gets dropped on you and figuring out if you're going to like need it or rise above it is always really tough coming up as a kid. I don't think enough people really talk about that, especially yeah. in our film format. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot more in recent years that kind of do a pretty decent job of some of it and covering some of those problems and issues. And there's been some solid shows that I've seen, but Stand By Me is definitely something for me that sticks out in that way, mm. trying to highlight those issues. Um, that actually segues pretty great into, you know, what moments from the movie specifically stick out to you and why? Like what, what every, anytime you think of the movie is like the first thing that comes to your mind. Probably, I remember like cracking up at the, the lard ass story that Gordy tells where they're just growing, like every single person in that crowd and like it's just throwing up blueberry yeah. <laughs> blueberry pie on each other is pretty it's pretty yeah fun. like that whole thing is like i said i think i said it before i was like i always kind of forget about like the revenge puke moment but yeah. <laughs> it's so funny every yeah. time like uh now i i think about like uh gordy telling that story about like this underdog getting revenge it's kind of uh i, I guess that speaks to his character too a little bit yeah I, th I think it does. I think it very much does. I was going to say, um, I think a moment that really sticks out for me um, is like the leech moment. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> like every time I see that, it just, leeches in general kind of yeah. trip me out. I'm like, I don't like the idea of that at all. I've hiked through some like weird places. I've gone through like rivers and stuff and I'm always yeah. paranoid. I'm going to come out with like a leech or something yeah. because of Stand By Me. Yeah, that moment always, like, I always think of that the first time uh, Stand On Me crossed my mind. It's like the leech scene, uh, when they finally see the body, you know. The, the train. Yeah, yeah, the whole train scene, because that sequence is like, pfft, woof. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so they're, they're kind of like being kids, like, on this journey, and they're constantly, like, confronted with, like, danger or, like, death. And they're kind of keep like marching on, but there is always something. Even like um, them being around the campfire and kidding around, but they hear like the wolves howling and they have to like keep watch. Yeah. Always like being interrupted from being a kid and sort <laughs> of like, uh, uh, like marching towards like finding a dead body, you know, yeah. this kid's yeah. dead body. No, and that, that cracks me up. That, that is the main point of the movie is these kids are just going to find a dead body. And yeah. It's like, what? Why? Because they're kids and kids do dumb shit like that yeah. all the time. Uh, it's, are, it, it rings true for me. Yeah. There are certain moments where uh, the Chris character will like stop in, 
it's like he's older and he's looking back <laughs> and he'll, he'll like comment on their situation and he's like, it was like where did <laughs> he's like the i guess he's like the dad of the group and he's right, always yeah. like uh sort of putting things in perspective for everyone personal highlights in the form of like any specific performances or set pieces uh effects moments you know score anything anything that's like stands out to you as something special or unique oh i watched this documentary about uh about the making of the film and rob reiner was like he kind of cast the movie based like closely on who the kids are already and i think that helps i think they're all pretty good in their roles with, like nice uh, yeah um the anger or like craziness of uh, uh corey feldman and I guess they're they they're all like pretty close to who they are, but they do a good job portraying the roles. Um, the entire like movie, I, it's so part of who I am, like that it feels so familiar when I watch it. It's like I know each moment uh, so closely. I remember when Gordy goes to like the store, like Quita Quita with the Quita Charles, and the guys like he like says a quote seems like in the in the midst of life, we are in death. So it's like, um, mm, yeah. because we're because we're living, constantly going living. It's we're even closer to die our death and dying. And that's like pretty much what the movie is. It's like the the death of their childhood going right. into adolescence. And I don't know. I when I watch this movie, it it, it like takes me to a certain place in time of when I was the age of the kids. So it's like super nostalgic or like kind of overwhelmingly nostalgic for me because the movie's already at that. And then there's like me going back and being placed in this moment that I was in when I was watching the movie, when I first saw the movie. Yeah, yeah. I guess it would be pretty hard, especially if it's like a movie that's like such a core part of your childhood or something that yeah. you've always loved to pick out something specific from it. Yeah. Especially when, I mean, frankly, the whole movie is kind of a knockout, you know? Yeah. It, it's pretty damn good start to yeah. finish there. So it's hard, to, it's hard to pick and choose as much. I think for me, as far as set pieces go, the whole, the, I mean, the whole train scene should definitely be talked about. Um, yeah. And that train sequence is just like, thinking about what had to have gone into that sequence, having the kids, having the train, being what looks to be very much on location. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine what that must have been like putting that together. And you said you watched like a documentary about it. Yeah. Do they cover that at all? Do you have any like- Yeah, um, there, okay, it was a big, it, it was a whole like thing to get that train moving and to reset they had to it was took a lot of time for them to like pull it back so they kept missing it because the kids weren't where he wanted them to be like mm. running from the train being terrified so he's like he pretty much got to a point where he was like so frustrated and he starts yelling at them and they're like pretty freaked out because he's he's always been he's never gotten to that point with them before and 
it kind of worked because the looks on their faces and they're crying and like yeah. yelling. It, it, it's pretty, pretty convincing. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't, like I said, I cannot even imagine. Like, I have a vague idea. I, you know, I, I work with kids and I've done projects with kids and videos where they're like, they have to be creative and we have to like make a cohesive story. And doing that with like digital is kind of a nightmare. <laughs> doing it on that scale seems yeah. just like my hat's off to you because that sounds like hell. And yeah. especially when you're working with kids, it can be such a challenge and you got to be like, you got to be so careful because you could really mess a kid up by saying the wrong thing. <laughs> you know? And I think about that all the time. And just like hearing that story, just, man, you know, kid stars had it. We all know kid stars tend to have it kind of rough and they yeah. have a very different experience than most of us do. Yeah. But damn, dude, getting yelled at with a train behind you. <laughs> like, you guys are doing it wrong. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. It's a wonder. It's a wonder anybody make makes it out of there alive. Kind of <laughs> that that set piece is a huge one for me. Like the train mm. piece, like the whole train thing is just like, from a filmmaker standpoint, like I said, just the sheer amount of organization that had to go into that. Uh, it's staggering. It's staggering to me. Like what probably had to happen, but that makes it kind of like, it's one of those movies that I feel like utilizes a set piece really well. They put a lot of time and energy into this moment and it, it works. It shows, it does exactly what it's supposed to do. It brings that tension to, uh, you know, cranks it to 11 kind of thing. It makes it just ridiculous. And you're convinced yeah. somebody's, so one of these kids is going down. It's, it's over. Yeah, and just to think that that train is the one that killed uh, the kid they're looking for, uh, yep. Ray Brower. Yep. It, it, it's even more like kind of messed up when you think about it. Yeah, exactly. That's like the punctuation you need too. It, it, yeah, it, yeah. The whole scene just works. So I think that's like a really big one for me is just that whole set piece, the whole, everything that had to go into it and how well it punctuates the journey at that point. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, what other things would you want to mention about the movie just in general that you are really, really into or just random trivia or knowledge that you have about it? Um. This time I was like uh, thinking about uh, the Teddy Du Champ character who's played by Corey Feldman, and just thinking about like uh, the, all these kids are like really going through some like really intense stuff. But um, having early on, you know that like his dad nearly burned his ear off. Yeah. But it's inter It's interesting to me how um, he's so kind of obsessed with like uh, military and guns and how his dad was in the war, but it's, but I'm thinking that's probably why his dad's so like messed up, like uh, mm -hmm. traumatized by being storming the beach at Normandy and like bringing that home and ended up getting like institutionalized. But he's like stuck on that. Even later uh, in like the voiceover, he says like he tried to get in the military, but he couldn't because of his, uh, his like he had bad eyes or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was his eyesight. Like he doesn't, he uh, he doesn't like lead a good life. He and he's like the one that sort of ends up going to jail and like falling off. Yeah, and not and not uh, sort of heading towards the what people thought 
like that's what people thought he would where he would end up he's the like the one that didn't really become anything yeah he met the expectation that was set out for him yeah he didn't rise above it yeah and um that actually brings up a really good point with your talking about his character because he you're right he was he was completely obsessed with like all the military aspect and everything that his dad had done and i hope from like a filmmaking side of things that maybe that is very central to the character and that everything he's doing is trying to retrace and do what his dad did to in an effort to understand his dad more like all the shit his dad must have done to him and all of that obviously that's going to mess the kid up and you're going to want to know why and i think that probably is that reason i think that's why he's doing what he's doing Okay, so they're on the brink of their adolescence and heading towards, like, the death of their childhood. <laughs> right. And, but, like, what are the examples they have around them? You have, like, the Keeper Sutherland character and his gang of followers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the, I guess that's a representation of, like, some, like where they're headed or where they could be at. And then yeah, you have, an option you could wind up on. Yeah. And yeah. then you have... a. Uh, you have their parents and the only, I guess we only see uh, Gordy's parents, but they're not, they're very detached. And I guess they're in grief, but even before that, when you show them at dinner table, they're not really present. They're kind of checked out. Yeah. Yeah. They they seem pretty checked out. They're just like on autopilot through life. Yeah. So uh, what, what example I guess it's a example of like how hard it is to pave your own way yeah. when you have all it, you have these examples to look for look forward yeah, to absolutely. Oh, oh, and also also like uh Chris Chambers says that cuz uh he's like uh cuz he stole the lunch money at school but he brought it back and the lunch woman bought something for herself instead of like taking the money back and he was like yep. i never thought a teacher would do that so <laughs> he has that too where where i guess his brothers are like bad bad eggs and people look at him already like that's what he is yep and he's sort of struggling between the living or like doing the right thing but he, he ends up bringing the money back but it doesn't matter because it, no one knows except for no one knows right yeah. <laughs> talked about it a little bit already but yeah just the uh the chapters or like the mile markers of life as you hit them yeah you know mm-hmm. i kind of feel like the movie does a good job of hitting those in sort of uh symbolic essence kind of yeah. it's been a really kind of long journey with the kids through the death of their adolescence like like you're saying which is exactly what the main feature of the movie is and then we kind of rock it forward we we okay they've gone through this next stage of life and then we find out kind of like in the narration as we're closing out where they all wound up yeah and that i feel like is not really a bad analogy for the experience of growing up a bit yeah when you're a kid things seem like they're taking forever the journey is long and you hit a certain point where things just speed up you know and things like no matter all the different things that are crammed into that amount of life we have left to live or like that time between adolescence and adulthood, it just goes faster. 
and then you become an adult and it goes that much faster. And having that kind of be reflected in the format of the movie, I think is kind of genius. And I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I love it. I think that's really cool. There's a moment after like, uh, after they find the body in there, they've headed back and he's like, they didn't, they barely spoke on (laughs) like walking, walking back from that. Uh, whole thing yeah. and then and then there's there's a moment where they're like at the they've just reached their town and they they're kind of like standing and looking around and it's really like awkward and quiet and then they say goodbye and uh, Teddy and Vern like go off in their own directions and uh, Chris and Gordy sort of walk away together and the narration's like uh, uh, they started hanging out less and less with uh, Teddy and Vern from that point forward until eventually they were just faces in the hallway. Yeah. And I think that's really like true to like very true, especially toward, toward in that age where you're kind of figuring out uh, more, you figure out more what you're into and like what you like and sort yeah. of like the friends you've had in the past kind of, fade away yeah and, yeah and everybody you, changes and grows yeah as you find out find out what you're more into and people people stay together yeah. people drift you know yeah. it's it it really does speak to the experience yeah because when you first watch the movie you don't really notice that like he sees in the paper that the lawyer chris chambers is killed in the so it, it comes back to that moment, but you forgot. Yeah. Like you kind of forget that that happened. And I like that he finally is writing because uh, it, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of a, like Stephen King kind of drew from a lot of his own experiences. It's kind of, it's cool that he like both Stephen King, like finally is writing about his friends when he was a kid and the character is writing about his friends when he was a kid. It's 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 it is a very like reflective piece, especially if you are a person who writes. Yeah. It, it resonates. It definitely does because mm-hmm. you can you can put yourself in the shoes. You can put yourself in the story. And I'm not going to say any person who writes has definitely done this, but we all I'm sure have the version where we picture what a movie of our life written as would be like, you know, better or worse. And so kind of seeing that play out is always interesting to me. It's like, what, what do you say? What do you mention? What do you actually talk about in that way? I like this movie a lot just because of that. All of the reasons we've talked about, but definitely that's one of them is how it resonates from the writing standpoint of just your life experience. Anything else that we want to talk about with Stand By Me that uh, we haven't talked about so far? Um, I wrote down like uh, just certain like lines of dialogue, like uh, like the two for flinching thing that's throughout. I remember doing that at school and then it kind of caught on and it's like before you know it, everyone's doing that. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of uh, funny dialogue in here. Uh, There's a lot of things that I didn't really notice before that kind of sum up what the movie is. 
and uh, at some point, uh, Chris tells uh, Teddy, he's like, at your age, and he's like, and he responds, he's like, this is my age. I'm in the prime of my youth, and I'll only be young once. <laughs> yep. And, it, and you don't really notice it, but I, I really, uh, there are like a lot of things like that throughout that I didn't real, when I was younger, didn't really realize like some of what the movie is pretty much. Yeah, and they, I think they definitely hit very different as as an like every time I yeah. watch the movie, the dialogue hits a little bit different than it did before, which I think is part of why it holds up and it stands yeah. up. It's that whole that whole grow up experience like we were talking about, like all of that sums it up so well, and it applies no matter what age group you come up in, like generationally even. Like there's gonna be things that are different for the kids today, but I feel like any kid today watching Stand By Me, yeah, the kids don't got cell phones, they don't got social media, but yeah. like the situations and shit they're dealing with are still around. There's yeah. still stuff we're all dealing with today. Yeah, even, uh... Even when it was made in like '86, it's takes yeah. place in it takes place in '59. So like I think it was made to be relatable to people of that age. Like even um, John Singleton. I remember uh, going to a Q and A for Boys in the Hood, and John Singleton was there, and he was talking about how Stand by Me was like a really important film to him, and he saw himself in the characters. And the moderator was like laughing because he didn't expect. I'm like, it's not that weird. Like, just yeah. because just because these characters don't look like him doesn't mean he's not going to be able to relate to things that happen to everyone. Like, he even even in uh, Boys in the Hood, he puts in homages in it. But like, there's a moment where they the like four kids go walking on the train tracks and they find a dead body it might be yep. in their alley is it the body's in their alley but it's still like there are things that you can take from it for for everyone exactly like this movie this movie definitely as far as that experience i think it stands it stands the test of time i yeah. i we'll see how i feel if when i inevitably rewatch it again and see how i'm feeling about it but uh it's weird because you watch it as a kid and you're you're kind of closer to the age that he would that he is writing about his childhood now is kind of you see certain see certain things in a different light but it's still uh, for me it still takes me to being 12 years old and thinking about things I went through and and like my experiences the narrator at the end just the whole like really wrap up of the movie talking about where their lives go and yeah. think like hearing it from the the standpoint of our writer, our narrator. Like I said, it always kind of hits a little bit different every time I watch it. But in the last time I watched it, it was especially poignant, I guess, just because I feel like I've heard some very specific phrases that he mentions, like out of my parents in relation to like the experience of life. And I was just like, man, yeah, what a weird, surreal. I understand. <laughs> where they're all coming from now in a way that I didn't before, basically. Uh, it's like, I can, I recognize the kid experience, no problem. But like the older I get, the more I can kind of resonate with how, like if a poignant is the right word, that that ending is like from his perspective, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, life, you know, what a, what a wild ride. <laughs> what do you think about the title? I was thinking about that because it's so 
the, the original the story is called the body but they changed right. it to stand by me and it was in sort of like a cross promotion because they benny king had like a mm-hmm. video where he's like dancing with the kid yeah <laughs> the kids with me and i I'm not sure how I feel about the title, actually. Yeah, I, I've i kind of been wondering about what went into that decision. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's harder to market a movie called The Body, probably, yeah. um, especially when you got, like, your the kids as your main cast. Yeah. So I, I understand changing the title. But Stand By Me... And there's the obvious, like, it could have been the inspired by the song, just because, like, yeah, they're friends, and friends should stand by each other, like, through thick and thin, and, like, uh, that could very well just be as simple as that. I guess it kind of gives you that nostalgic feeling uh, that the movie has overall. Yeah. Um, I kind of am curious now. I want to look it up and see if that's what it was. But uh, it it could just be as simple as, like, maybe it wasn't the song, maybe it was just dealing with that element of these kids being there for each other and the experience, especially we're talking about like Stephen King, if he's narrating this experiences of his own life and that's part of the like inspiration for the story. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it really is just as simple as friends trying to stick together and stand by each other through life and all the shit that it throws at you. Yeah. Which I think that's solid, but uh, yeah. There, there's definitely other titles they probably could have gone with, um, but at this point, it's hard to be like, oh, I don't, I don't know what I would title it. Yeah. Do you have any any uh, alternate titles you think of? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think the title works just on that, but yeah. I'm still very curious about how, how it how it got to be Stand by Me. Yeah. I'm also a little bit curious if we are able to find out if they at any time test titled the body <laughs> and how that went <laughs> uh, could you imagine like a test audience like we're going to show you what we called the body oh whoa who's in it and he's like listed a bunch of kids they're like who Corey Feldman what keep us okay keep us is pretty good in this too uh we didn't really talk about that's true uh, performances that, like, group kind of well he's kind of like known for that kind of <laughs> that kind of role uh, yeah, like, I guess I didn't bring up Kiefer Sutherland immediately just because it doesn't really seem that out of character for Kiefer yeah. Sutherland. It feels like that's kind of the character he played for a long time and still kind of does. Yeah. More often than and I don't know the man. I only know what I read. <laughs> so I don't want to, like, go into a whole rabbit hole on that, but... Uh, <laughs> I feel like that's true to character. You did say that uh, Rob Reiner tried to cast the kids as close yeah. to how they were. So. <laughs> Could be something to that. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. He's not bad. He's good. He's good in the movie. He does exactly his job. He, he plays his role exactly the way his role should be played. Yeah. But it's just one of those where I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's that's Kiefer. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's him doing Kiefer. Uh, if it was like Donald Sutherland for some reason, I'd be like, "Well, that was an interesting choice." Uh, let's let's talk about that. That's that's weird. He's a little old for the part, but whatever, you know. <laughs> Otherwise, it, the kids really nailed the performances. Kind of dissected Corey Feldman's character a bit. Vernon's uh, like def- yeah. definitely like 
the more childish, like the Corey. I mean, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jerry O'Connell. Yeah, yeah. But he was out. He was also like younger than the rest of them. He was eleven when they were when they were filming this. They were like what, like thirteen? The twelve thereabouts, 13. like thirteen. Yeah. yeah. And he's like younger by a couple, and that's obviously that's not like a big difference. But when you're that age, it sure it sure feels like it. That's interesting. I need to find a good doc on Stand by Me or like watch the behind the scenes if I can find them. Because I'm yeah. super curious now about a lot of the stuff that we just talked about in terms yeah. of like the kids' experience. Yeah, he had, yeah, Jerry O'Connell had not done anything else. Uh, his first movie. That is his first movie, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, shit. I'm looking. I just like pulled up his IMDb and I'm looking now. Jesus. Jerry O'Connell has done actually quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Stand By Me is his first uh, acting credit. Then he did The Kingdom Chums, Little David's Adventure, which I. Are you familiar with that? I have no idea what that is. (laughs) I I don't don't know. Uh, It says it's a TV short and he's uncredited, which. Okay. That's a weird thing to add to the IMDb, but sure. Yeah. Why not? Do you uh are you a fan of uh Rob Reiner's other work? Uh I believe I am. Princess. I'm trying to figure out like which of his movies I like best. Princess Bride, Misery, you know. He's he's got such a catalog. And not just yeah. to mention like his directing catalog, but he's been in quite a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, Jerry O'Connell said uh, he knew him. He thought he was Archie Bunker. Like he thought he was auditioning for Archie Bunker. That's so <laughs> funny. <laughs> uh, I, I'm looking at like his filmography for Rob Reiner right now, and if I think he he did a movie in like ten years ago called Flipped, and it takes place yeah. during, like the same time, and it's sort of dealing with like uh like first love pretty good or um very similar in tone to to stand by me throw mama from the train that's a classic damn rob reiner's got a lot of good stuff honestly i forget some of the things he's made sleepless in seattle that's him i forget about that first wives club that's him okay i don't know if i can pick one at the moment there's a lot of good ones on his list he's I, shit yeah all right all right i'll have to do a rob Ryder deep dive after this yeah a few good men american president he's got so many good movies that misery is the other stephen king adaptation yeah yeah really good rob reiner aside i think we can move on to the uh the next section here the getting to know you section as i like to call it uh any final closing thoughts on stand by me before we move on uh, highly recommended. Uh, 10 out of 10. Definitely check it out. <laughs> Agreed. 10 out of 10. Big questions. Big question. Getting to know you. What's the first movie you ever saw? If you can remember, whether it was in theaters, at the drive-in, uh, at home on VHS. My, what do you think it was? My earliest memories are from the drive-in and i remember going to see hunchback of notre dame or dame how do you say it i I I think it's i always say notre dame but i don't know that i'm right (laughs) 
Well, I remember going to see that. I had to be like three years old. And I remember falling asleep and waking up at the end and being upset. And I remember seeing Demolition Man at the mm. drive-in and not remembering much about it, but I really, that movie's really cool. And I remember seeing um, Warlock Armageddon, which is the sequel to, to Warlock. Mm, I don't remember anything about that movie now, though. But those are like my earliest memories of going to the movies and they're all at the drive-in. That's awesome. And Warlock Armageddon, my goodness. I don't think um, I've even thought about that movie. And <laughs> God, wow. So long. 93, I think. All those movies are from Holy 90, hell, 93. yeah. That's, I don't think I even, I probably haven't seen it since then. <laughs> That's going to be, that'll be a fun one to revisit. <laughs> That's cool. That's, okay, so, drive-in mostly. That's a pretty unique experience for first movies. I know very few people who have had like, drive-ins as part of their first movie experiences yeah um so in theaters like uh i i don't have any specific uh memories of like the first but i did see a lot of horror movies my mom was like very much into horror movies and she would take me uh with her <laughs> regardless of if the rating or like if it was appropriate or I would see a lot of, we would always go to the video store and rent things early on. I remember seeing uh, Jason Goes to Hell. That's also 93, I think. A lot of my first memories are of that year in particular of movies. There were some fun movies in the, in the 90s there, especially in the beginning. Um, I mean, there were some kids movies that were great. There's some horror movies that were great. Oh, yeah. They don't make a lot of like live action movies for kids they're all like animated now yeah we need a good we need a good live action kids thing again uh what are your top three movies and why they don't have to be like specifically my favorite movies of all time they just need to be your your top picks and just a quick reason why they're your top picks stand by me Uh, is one of them that's completely fine yeah uh for all of the movies are like sort of formative so stand by me just because i guess the first time i could like really identify with characters and recognize that i identified with them other is scream because i saw that when i was six years old and became like obsessed with it and that led to me uh really getting into filmmaking in general and wanting to know more about like writing and directing and how this movie was made and getting into like the actors not just horror movies but like all sorts of movies that's definitely one i really like nightmare on m street that came from scream because i watched all his movies after i found that i think city of god is great i love that movie so it's amazing um yeah. Uh, oh, recent recently, I uh, I really I loved everything about Sing Street. I don't know if you've seen oh, that. Oh yeah, Sing Street's really good. Yeah, it's so fun. Um, also, um, Get Out. That's yeah. a big one. Uh, I, yeah, Get Out was 
I mean, we know, we all know, like it, yeah. it was a game changer. Yeah. It was good. People I had heard from since high school were like messaging me about Get Out because I was always like uh, the horror film guy and you have Jordan Peele creating this huge, like big moment in horror movies and that made them think of me. So I don't know. That's kind of cool, I guess. Yeah. It, it, it was good at like capturing like a, being a black person in a space where it's all white people and just not the little things that happen, <laughs> like the little comments here that you, that you can't really put your finger on. It just feels odd. And I yeah. think it <clears throat> captured like, uh, I guess, that really well. And it was just a really well-written movie and I loved it. And it changed, yeah, yeah. It, it changed so much. Yeah, I could talk about Get Out for a while. And I feel like it's going to wind up being one of the episodes that gets talked about or one of the movies that gets talked about in uh, one of these episodes here. Yeah. Just because every time I rewatch it, I have something a little more to say about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that tends to be the case with most, with most things I'm watching. But uh, just because of its cultural relevance and uh, the climate, yeah. my God, like... It just it just continues to to be potent every time I watch it. Yeah. So those are some top movies and uh, reasons why. How about some movies that you're looking forward to that maybe aren't out yet? I know that's tough to do given uh, the way things are at the moment. Hmm. But uh, yeah, anything you anything you're looking forward to, whether it's going to be you know on demand or it's been pushed two years for release. <laughs> I'm really excited about uh, Regina King's directorial debut, uh, One Night in Miami. Uh, yep. Super excited. I read, yeah, I read the play for that, and I'm very – I'm a huge fan of Sam Cooke, and, and I think that's a great uh, moment in time that's sort of captured on film and speaks to a lot of things that are going on now. And – uh, it, it, it captures like different perspectives within those four giants at that time and that are, and it's still like relatable to things that are happening today. I'm, I I'm super excited that that's coming and like I wouldn't know about obviously unless you hadn't told me and you know how yeah. much I love Sam Cooke. Sean yeah. actually gave me that same play um, and it's it's great. I'm so excited to see that play out and knowing that it's in the hands of somebody who, one, is talented as hell, and yeah. two, is really going to give it the justice it should have and, like, really treat it with respect is just makes it that much more exciting. So, yeah, I'm super excited about that one. I, I'm curious to find out, like, when or how much they've been affected and, like, how soon it's coming. Do you happen to know that? Because I, I, I think it might be coming out either next month or in January. I think it's, they're going for like uh, an Oscar qualifying. Oh shit. Run. I would not be surprised. I feel like yeah. it's got the legs for it yeah. based on just the play. Damn. I, I feel like those are going to be some powerhouse performances and I'm yeah. thrilled knowing that if, if you're right, if that is coming out in the next couple of months, because I thought we were going to have to wait like another year or two. Yeah. I also want to see Small Axe. It's, uh, it's like a series of 
I think four features that uh, Steve McQueen directed, mm. and it's coming coming to Amazon in like like in two weeks, and I'm really oh, excited shoot. for okay. that. Some very I, good. I, I hadn't even heard about that. Very That's awesome. good. Uh, yeah, actors in that, and he's like amazing. Like, as a director, he's he's awesome. Steve so McQueen I'm, is killing it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. That's super exciting. I mean, honestly, that's literally, and I've mentioned it pretty much every time. That's half the reason I'm asking the question is like, I need to know what's coming because <laughs> I have been missing a lot and it's exciting to find out stuff from people like, ah, we're all in pandemic hell. So hearing yeah. that there's actually stuff to look forward to is exciting. So yeah, it's like four and it's like four movies from him at one time. Yeah. So that's nuts. Kind of I had no idea. I didn't know any of that. Now, I'm going to be looking for that for sure. Yeah. That's four, four new movies I can watch from Steve McQueen. That's, that's, damn, that's exciting as hell. Yeah. All right. Well, that leads into the very last question, which is just simply, any other personal recommendations for movies that we haven't mentioned so far? Um, check out Flipped, if you like Stand By Me. Um, I think it got mixed reviews, but it, 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 it captures a similar kind of feel, I think. Um, I I think I saw Flipped probably right when it came out in theaters. And yeah. I feel like I liked it, but I also don't think yeah. I've seen it since. So yeah. I think I will check that one back out. Um, I'm really into Korean movies. And I just recommend checking <laughs> out, like, there's so many, <laughs> so many yeah. like, great directors and movies. I was uh, I was mentioning in my podcast where I was talking to Patrick because we were talking we got to this section and he he mentioned a couple movies that you recommended I was like oh I know Sean's giving me like a list and I'm working my way through it <laughs> and like I still have movies to watch from it but every single one has been so good and yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know what drop drop your drop some of your favorite Korean movies um. I saw the devil oh, is re so really good. messed up, <laughs> like a revenge film from Kim Ji Woon. Uh, I I really like everything that director's done. Yeah. Uh, the good, the bad, and the weird is a really fun Western action movie from that same director. Uh, Sunny from 2011 is sort of a it also deals with like uh, friendships and it, it, it jumps back and forth from the eighties to present day when it was made uh, following this group of friends as they try to relink up in the present and you're seeing what happened to them in the past. It's really yeah. fun and feel good. Yeah. I like that one a lot. There's a, they remade it like four times in oh, really? uh, different countries, uh, telling like their own versions of it. But the Korean one is what I'm referring to. Well, I, I'm definitely going to watch that one then. <laughs> well, all right, great. We got some great recommendations. We've, uh, we've had some, some spirited conversation and got into the weeds a little bit on Stand By Me here. Uh, with that, that kind of brings us to our closing. We're going to wrap up. And uh, if you've got any tags or pluggables you want to discuss really quick, i.e., you know, things you're writing, maybe a short you made. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, 
I, I, I shot a short like on the fly with my friend Patrick. Uh, and it's getting edited right now it's called Touch Tone. So look out for that. You can go to youarewatchingrubyred.com for like information about like my movies. And awesome. I sometimes take uh, behind the scenes photos. Um, Sean Kelly 35, you can follow that on Instagram or there's a website too that features um, pictures I take. You can find Sean on Instagram at at Sean Kelly 35, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or RR Sean Dion also. RR Sean Dion for the personal page and at Sean Kelly 35 for his photography. Which, by the way, Sean takes some pretty fantastic photos and he has done a lot of behind the scenes photos for a good number of us. Um, and he shoots film. And all of his photos have a very unique look and style. And uh, I recommend you hit up Sean for behind-the-scenes photos on your projects. Check him out on uh, Instagram, at SeanKelly35 or rrseandion. You can also go to youarewatchingrubyred.com. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think there's also a YouTube channel in there. But I don't know if yeah. you want to drop that. I don't know the... I don't know how to get I, I haven't... <laughs> I haven't updated it yet. Uh, well, with that, thank you for stopping in, Sean, and discussing Stand By Me with me. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a pleasure, and uh, mm -hmm. I look forward to talking about the next couple, which, by the way, what next two movies will be on our docket? Um, hold on. I'm thinking. <laughs> I think what you had uh, The Wood. Oh, The Wood and Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Perfect. Next time we have Sean on, we'll be talking about The Wood or Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Thanks for stopping in, everybody. Thanks for listening to Scott's Movie Pod. Until I think of a better name, which I may never do. <laughs> See you next time. All right. Thank you very much for stopping by and listening to Scott's Movie Pod. Until I think of a better name, which I may never do. Special thanks to my guests for coming on the show and all of you for listening. Original podcast music by Weston Lee Ball. You can find them at lava underscore submersible on Instagram and Weston Lee Ball on Facebook. And if you like the podcast, do me a favor and just rate and review. Let me know what you think. Leave a comment and uh, maybe I'll read it during the show. Thanks again and I'll catch you next time.